0: You're listening to Good Shepherd Brentwood's Sermon Feed. Today's sermon was preached by Father Fred Schmidt and recorded on the last Sunday after the Epiphany, February 11th, 2024.
1: Friends, today we return to our sermon series on Jonah. I promise we'll get Jonah swallowed this morning. And the title of my sermon is We run, but we can't hide. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always and everywhere acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So we're back to Jonah today and Natalie has done a masterful job of outlining the historical background to the story. The Ninevites to whom God was sending Jonah were the cruel kids in the ancient Near East. They were feared and hated, and they richly deserved it. And despite that reputation, God tells Jonah to let them know that they are in danger of judgment so that they might be saved. The Hebrew literally reads, a prophetic message from God came to be with Jonah. It wasn't a whisper, it wasn't a suggestion, it wasn't a nagging thought, it was a big ugly certainty and Jonah knew it. The story is also clear, Jonah just runs and he runs in the exact opposite direction, traveling first to Joppa and then paying his fare for a boat to Tarshish. Joppa was 550 miles southwest of Nineveh. Tarshish was 2,500 miles west-northwest from Joppa, 3,000 miles. 50 miles that's a lot of running especially in the ancient world but Jonah isn't running from Nineveh the story tells us the story says he is running from the presence of the Lord as in isn't that always the case with us the issue isn't and hardly ever is what God wants us to do The problem is, is that it's God who wants us to do it, and we don't want to. So we often run from place to place, from situation to situation, from relationship to relationship. I'm not suggesting that there is not a time and a place to move on. Even Jesus told his disciples that there was a time and a place to kick the dust off of their sandals. And I've counseled battered wives to move on immediately with their children to a safe place. But we have all experienced challenges that we didn't want to face, and running seemed like the best solution. I knew a pastor who even ran from church to church using her skills successfully to help heal battered congregations. But when she finally found herself sent to one that she couldn't heal, she was shattered emotionally and spiritually. And it was only then that she discovered that it was her childhood experiences that led her to believe that it was her responsibility, not God's, to heal the world. Of course, we find other ways to run other than physical running. Sometimes we exalt other priorities. God, don't send me to these people. You know how bad they are. You know how evil their behavior is. You know how wrong they are. What you'd want me to do is not important. These people should be silenced, shunned, punished, or at the very least, they're not going to get my love. I think, friends, that we may be living in a cultural moment just like that in terms of running. Haters are going to hate, so the expression goes. But if you ask me, hate is an equal opportunity employer, and everyone in this country is taking a turn at it. Family members are cutting off one another. Friendships are burned to the ground. And civil discourse isn't civil enough to be called discourse. We have, I think, a prosperity problem. And it has given us the burden of looking for meaning in life by demonizing our neighbors. And the luxury of doing it because we aren't paying a price for it. But the day is coming, and it may already be here when this country may not be able to pull in one direction and won't be able to find the unity that it needs. There are other kinds of running, of course. Sometimes we run by attributing our priorities to God. God's politics Or my politics. Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Other times, what we do is we request a postponement. I am sure, God, that there is a better time for this. Check back with me later. Even St. Augustine, as a young man, confessed that he prayed, Oh, Master, make me chaste and celibate, but not yet. But no matter how far we run or how we run, we discover that there are always consequences to our choices. We can travel 3,050 miles. We can offer 3,050 excuses. We can ask for 3,050 postponements. But wherever we go, there we are. In Jonah's case, the consequence takes the form of what the Bible describes as a great wind upon the sea that God hurls at him. Now, let me get one concern out of the way. There is not a lot of point in asking, does this mean that God causes or uses weather? This is not a lesson in meteorology. This is an ancient campfire tale, and they don't do science, and they don't do theories of causation. They do drama. And in the case of this drama, the face-off is between Jonah and God, and they are the primary actors. So the story naturally moves between the two of them, and they have the leading roles. The significance of the storm is this. Every time we run from God, chaos will follow us. And a change in geography or a change in jobs or relationships won't resolve anything. The big winds and the high water represent that life-threatening chaos. But the waves can represent a number of different things. The hardships we experience, the self-sabotage that undermines us, the hard places we put ourselves in when we try to be our own gods, the struggles we experience when we find a measure of spiritual maturity, the interior disquiet that comes from doing what we know we shouldn't do. We're not always sinning when we run away from God, but Jonah is certainly being willfully disobedient. And the ancient teachers of the church knew that it isn't just sin that gets in the way of our listening to God. It also involves our need to grow up and to get real about our relationship with God. And that relationship, not the absence of conflict, is the key to peace. In Jonah's case, his unbelieving crew can't even miss his problem. They don't need to share his faith to realize that he's doing the wrong thing. They cast lots, and the lot falls on Jonah, probably a little bit like a ship's anchor, and there he stands, completely exposed. And when he admits what he has done, the crew recognizes how cosmically stupid this is. He knows what God wants of him, and yet he's running. And he doesn't have an excuse for it. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Under the heading of running from God, there is probably nothing as colossally stupid as this kind of last-stand bravado. But here we have it. I'm wrong. Throw me into the sea. We do this kind of thing. We hear God, we ignore God, We know that our behavior is hurting the people around us. And our response is, I'm wrong. So shoot me, cut me loose, throw me overboard. See if I care. And those moments when we think that that kind of thing, or we actually say it, I know most of us are thinking, you've beaten me up long enough, God. I don't care, I'm not going to care. It is so common a thought that literature and film is filled with these people. The noble atheist, the disillusioned priest, the tortured anti-hero. But the truth is, is that God isn't beating us up. God has been trying to heal us all along. And the battering that we are experiencing is not God's doing, it's ours. The fatigue, the frustration, the anger that we are feeling is a result of running away from God instead of running with God. When we realize this, our words of bravado and Jonah's aren't the courageous words of someone who has battled God to a draw. They are the words of someone who refuses to let themselves find peace when it's been right there, all along. And that, not punishment, is what the big fish is all about. So they picked Jonah up and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, but the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It's popular, I think, when we read this story to assume that the big fish is just one more punishment that Jonah faces and that God inflicts on Jonah. But the Hebrew is interesting here. The big fish just doesn't happen to be near the boat at the time. According to the Hebrew, the big fish is provided, appointed, tasked. To swallow Jonah and he isn't the instrument of punishment he's the instrument of deliverance without the big fish Jonah will drown the victim of his own willful disobedience anger lack of repentance and self-righteousness if you were wondering Who was the first parent to use time out as a way of giving a child an opportunity to rethink his or her behavior? This is it. And it is no surprise that millennia later, the church would see Jonah's three days in the belly of the big fish as an image of the time that Jesus spent in the tomb. Sometimes the whole human race needs a time out. It isn't just one of us. It's all of us who need space to reconsider just how destructive our behavior can be. And the early teachers of the church grasped this. We can run, but we can't hide. Life, my friends, is not so much about what happens to us as it is about how we respond to God when things happen. And when we run, whether it's willful or whether it's a result of spiritual immaturity or unhealed wounds, the unfinished business that we have with God will continue to surface and surface And resurface until we turn and face God again it doesn't matter whether it's prejudice grudges insecurity fears narrowness or something we have yet to learn God is in the business of healing us and if it doesn't get done now it will inevitably follow us wherever we go So I offer you this thought. Don't stop listening for the voice of God. Examine your heart with God's love and help. Embrace the healing that God has to offer. And don't ever run from his presence because you can't hide and I can't either. God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hearing our sermons in real time, you can check us out at our website, www.goodshepherdbrentwood.org or attend online during our 10:15 Sunday live stream on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Good Shepherd Brentwood. If you have any questions or comments, or maybe you'd like to meet with one of our clergy, you can email us at office at good Or, if you're interested in visiting in person, or have questions about our programs and services, you can text 615-637-3738, where you'll be contacted by our staff. We'd love to meet you.